Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Welcome back to episode 27 of On the Table Gaming. Uh, and of course, as always, you're joined by Chase and... Hey everybody, it's Josh. The dynamic duo. Josh, it's so good <laughs> to have you back. Feels good to be back. It was not the same yesterday, or you know, the last episode when uh, it was just me and Fabio. I, I didn't even go up to the rookery. I was just too scared to go up there. It's dark. There's birds. <laughs> it smells weird. Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna replace me with anybody, you can do a lot worse than Fabio. That guy's awesome. <laughs> He's that's true. That is true. So uh, let, let's go. We got to check on the birds because I'm worried that things may have gotten out of hand. You know, we should be maybe getting some news about some of the new releases and stuff. Even so, let's let's go on up. Here. Oh, there's a bird in here. <laughs> there's only one bird. Bar Creek stuff. I, I think so. I uh, thought there was going to be more news. Uh, this, is a, this sickly little raven. Okay. So, what's going on here? So it looks like there is a small delay where Simon posted on their uh, official page. Uh, let's see. This was March 28th, so just a couple of days ago here. Uh, but it looks like they're actually going to be pushing out to uh, April for the. This is for the Lannister heroes. Uh, two Stark Heroes, two the Warriors' Sons, uh, the Overcosted Warriors' Sons, and of course the Cave Dweller oh. Savages. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, push back a month, but ultimately still right around the corner. So very excited about. This. So I got a, a a double dose of this when I I ordered an additional set of Cave Dwellers off of Amazon, and uh, I had had a, an experience in the past with a seller who sold a Scorpion Builder Crew. I got it back in like. November when it didn't come out in the U.S. to like February, so I was like, "Oh, maybe I can get a get a cave dweller unit." You know, even with the delay, maybe I could still somehow get one. Right, right. So I ordered it, and then I got a little email, and I was like, "You can, it's it shipped, and it's shipping." And I was like, "Sweet!" So I'm like, "This is this is gonna be great." And then I got like another email, said it had shipped, saying, uh, "We're actually sorry, and due to delay from our distributor, you won't be getting this product for some time." <laughs> so I my hopes got up there. I was like, maybe I'll still get a, a unit of cave dwellers because uh, I've been so excited to get that unit. But alas, I mean, they're right around the corner. I, I I can see, you know, stuff like this is like it's unfortunate. I know Simon didn't want it to happen, and it sucks. And people have it like pre-ordered and everything. I mean, I definitely want to get those Stark Heroes uh, two box uh, as soon as that comes out. But you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a drag. But I mean, I can handle a month. We you know, we we're Kickstarter veterans, Chase. That's I mean, true. We went we went through the delays. long night. Yeah, December period when it wasn't just. I could do a month standing on my head. Yeah, it's like <laughs> okay, this is fine, no problem. You know, I mean, back then we were like literally talking about how could we make like little like cardboard with pieces of paper on it just to try to play the game before we actually got the <laughs> models. It was like, you know, yes. so comparatively, the you know, it's it does sink now, a bit, but I think. Now sure. with all the starter sets and the the expansions I have, I'm actually swimming in cardboard. I I went to <laughs> take out some tokens and I had too many tokens. So, um, you know, we good problems to have. And yeah, the game, I, you know, is picking up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Adapticon just happened, and it was apparently it sold like hotcakes. I mean, they like they showed like pictures of the. Uh, Basically, all the empty shelves were like they had basically blown out of all their inventory. It's like the apocalypse so cool. hit. It was just yeah, like yeah. remnants of things, like three giants on the shelf, you know? Exactly. And I heard the tournaments also, you know, they had a ton of uh, attendance. They were all sold out. So it does seem like there's some some real serious energy going into the... Uh... My favorite thing, though, is I have some friends that don't play Song of Ice and Fire or old friends that I knew that I haven't even talked about this game with. And they went and got the swag bag and they got a copy of the game in the swag bag. And it was just cool seeing people posting online, like, look at all this cool stuff I got. Or like, hey, I'm going to try this game out. 
and it's like yes excellent like what is that the know? greatest swag bag you know of all time that yes. that's crazy they got it the is. like the whole starter as like a swag bag that's yes preposterous and apparently that CMON at the CMON Expo, it's going to be a similar situation. So if you're in the uh, Georgia area, you're going to swing by uh, into Atlanta. See if you can hit that Expo in later in the spring. Uh, I mean, it's, I think it's super, obviously super generous of them, but I think it's a good move to like really like get a bunch of people to just try the game. You know, I think uh, we talked about it before, but I think especially miniatures gamers tend to be kind of insular and like their system. And that's, you know, maybe they dabble with like smaller games, but like big scale games, I think people tend to play like one or maybe two. But it's such right. a great, great way to like reach these players who at Adepticon, you're definitely talking to miniatures gamers, right? Like miniature war gamers. Mm -hmm. So what better way to like expand this game to a whole new audience, but to then, you know, give them the whole game for free and say, all right, give it a shot. And then, you know, I think that they'll like it enough that they'll, they'll get invested for sure. And we've just come off of Adepticon, which is, was, uh, you know, multiple days of gaming with a, a series of events. They had, you know, painting uh, events. They had a, a, a game mode where uh, several players played against Michael Chanel and tried to defeat him. And then there was the actual tournament. So there was a beginner tournament and there was an expert tournament that fed into a grand tournament where the top six players played to become the Adepticon 2019 champion. And um, we're actually lucky enough to be joined now by uh, Mark Rupp, the Adepticon 2019 champion. And before we bring him in here, Josh, do you know what faction he was playing? I almost, I almost questioned the validity of this Raven because, based on the internet rumors, there's no way that he took the free folk all the way to the finals and won with the won the whole thing with what is apparently, according to the internet, the worst faction of all time. I think we got to we got to find out about this. So, without further ado, uh, let's welcome uh, Mark Rupp onto the show. And and Mark, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So you just are, you know, days away from your uh, victory at Defticon 2019. And so we thought we'd maybe have you talk a little bit first about, you know, how did you how did you get into A Song of Ice and Fire? What's your kind of gaming background? <laughs> so I actually um, I kickstarted it uh, with the intent of using it for other games. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I didn't have faith in the game when I first bought into it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So I, I, I guess ugh, going way back, um, I think when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, my dad took me to a hobby shop and had me point at a hobby and it's like, you need to get started with a hobby. So I pointed at Warhammer at the time forever ago. And that's kind of <laughs> where I started and played through all the ages of that. And Age of Sigmar came along and I wasn't a huge fan. So I started playing Kings of War gotcha. and being like, Kings of War, you can use any minis you want. These, yep. these new ice and fire minis look fantastic. I'm like, these are some sweet minis. Got to get some of those. And that was the intent. So that said, my gaming group has been going to Adepticon for uh, years now. And we went last year when they were demoing Ice and Fire. And I played that demo game. And I was like, this game is fantastic. Like, I just wanted <laughs> to play more and more of it. And as soon as I got it, we were just playing it nonstop. And I've just been loving every minute of it. So um, that's that's kind of the history. Now, when you when you first jumped into to playing A Song of Ice and Fire, what, what faction did you initially jump in with? Or were you kind of dabbling? Oh, well, I mean, having gotten the Kickstarter, we only really had the Starks, Neutrals, and Lannisters. And I've kind of always liked playing the thing that is less played, as you might have guessed, based on what, <laughs> I, was, what I was playing at the event. So I started off with Neutrals, and that's actually... So I brought, oh. I brought Neutrals to Adepticon. That was my fully painted army was my neutrals and i ran those on friday but i didn't end up i, I placed fourth 
So I wasn't in the running for the top three to go on to the whatever the championship round or whatever they called it. And then my my buddy was actually supposed to play on Saturday, but he wasn't really feeling up to it. So he asked me if I wanted to take his spot. And I was like, sure, why not? And when I was sitting there waiting for the tournament to start, I just looked over at the pile of demo minis that they had with all the free folk stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to play some free folk today because I just I tried <laughs> with my Boltons yesterday and we'll just try free folk today. Why not? And that's just built two lists on the spot and ran with it. Holy smoke. So you like your preparation was literally I'm looking over at this pile of stuff and I'm going to build something out of it. The, you, you hadn't been doing like theory crafting for months leading up to the event. Certainly not. Um, I did. So I did buy a few starters of free folk a couple weeks prior. So I had played four games of the free folk prior to Adepticon. Um, I played once with a, with that same advanced <laughs> list that I ran at Adepticon and just rolled a good buddy of mine. Uh, hopefully, I know sometime I'm sure he'll hear this and not appreciate that, but it didn't go very well for him. And I just loved playing the free folk in that game. So we had a little local event <clears throat> the Saturday prior to Adepticon. And I just decided to try out the free folk again. And I actually ran the same two lists that I ran at Adepticon. And uh, I did lose my one game with the Giants, but I learned a valuable lesson in the tournament prior. And then I took that and applied it at Adepticon and it worked out. And what was that lesson that you learned? It's actually, it's funny because it's the same lesson that I taught to my first round opponent at Adepticon in the Game of Thrones scenario. So when I first looked at the Giants, I thought of them as the free folk's weapon, right? They just, they could have some serious damage output potential and I didn't want to lose them. So I started by leading with my raiders and having my giants follow up, which is just, it just did not work out. Um, they were too far behind. And by the time they got up in there in the Game of Thrones scenario where there's the five objectives, they were just not there soon enough and they couldn't shake a unit off an objective. It just wasn't going to happen fast enough. So at Adepticon, I did the exact opposite and bull rushed my giants and right up onto all the objectives. And I just sat and squatted on the objectives for two rounds and ended up ending game one in three rounds, 10 to zero. Cause I just Holy cow. ran up, squatted wow. and they couldn't shift them. So, so how are you getting to the objectives on like, cause I'm imagining the placement. He put some that were kind of on his, towards his side of the table edge. How were you getting to his before he got to that? Um, Lady Vale, the maneuver zone and the uh, swift advance. That's it. So you were able to clear and get all the way to the other side of the board. Wow. That's amazing. So, uh, Carl, uh, the peacekeeper, Kirsten, who uh, ran the, the TO for the, who was the TO for the event, uh, he actually sent us some of the lists that you guys ran so that we could start entering them into Song of Ice and Fire, cc.com. Um, but what we couldn't see was your, your records from the prior days. So I just have your finals record sheet here, and you went 3-0 and in the finals. How did the, before we talk about that, like how did the rest of the tournament go, like on Saturday, for example? So my other Free Folk Day um, on Saturday was a, Four and zero. Oh wow! Um, so wait, did, does that mean you went seven and zero with your free folk? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god! Now that said, I got very lucky in some games, like dirt, dirt lucky. Round one of the finals, I flat out should have lost. Came down to last dice roll. My opponent rolled snakes on in a very important panic test, and I went from losing four zero to winning five four. So it was a very, very close games in a number of my games, and that one was probably the closest. Now, when you were taking these two lists were there any matchups that you were like hoping you would see or like i'm assuming the giants were also sort of like your anti you know lannister panic list or were there were there armies that you were hoping you would not run into or that you would run into that you felt you matched up well with um well i was definitely worried about uh night's watch and that's more to do with the fact that we don't have local night's watch players really so I only had one game ever against night's watch um and then of course my round 3 of the of the finals 
was against Nice Watch, and I was very concerned, and that translated into me being very. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what to do, and I still feel really bad about that because we didn't end up getting very far into that game. Uh, we actually ended that game around three because I spent so much time trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do about these this wall of elite infantry that was just going to shred all of the prefo. So that was my biggest concern. That and Feast for Crows, which of course I ended up having twice, scenario in particular. You ran the giant list, I'm assuming, on Feast for Crows? Yep, so the giant list was built explicitly for Feast for Crows and... Um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones less to do with the fact that of what you're trying to do in that game and more to do with the fact that the other list cannot physically fit in the deployment zone for Game of Thrones since that one only has a six inches up and I don't want and I know you can you can deploy units as their activation on turn one in those scenarios where you can't physically fit them but I don't want a unit trailing that far behind so the idea to always run the uh, giant list on Game of Thrones and it works out really nice because the giants are hard to shake off of objectives and like you're not going to panic them away and they're pretty darn tough and so long as I can shut off any anti-healing then they're going to be there for a long time. Did you encounter any like what was like your closest game as far as you know you know matches that you had to play against? What was like the faction that you had the hardest time uh dealing with? Well, I mean the closest game was that that I guess would have been round 5 or the first round of the finals where I literally was lost until the last dice roll in the game. Um, and that was against Lannisters. That was against Lannisters and um so that was against a uh, guy from India his name was Ryan and a great guy to play against and a very talented player and i actually played him with my boltons as well in the the my first qualifier event and he's the guy that beat me in the qualifier event that was also so did you take any lessons learned from that game into the next game not really i mean that one so it was actually kind of ironic so that game i lost because i was playing too slow and then in the very finals um my slow ass self was helped by the fact that i was playing slower but sure. my my game against ryan with my Boltons, he had three units that between them were worth something like nine points, and they were down to one, two, and three wounds, respectively. And I just couldn't finish him off. And we had to, and we time got called. We had to end on round four, and I ended up losing six to zero instead of having one more round to finish off those units and potentially winning nine to six. So it was kind of a, that was a rough way to end. We've got Ryan's list here from the finals, but I, it says Army List One, Army List Two. So both lists seem to feature the Knights of Cashley Rock, uh, two units of them. And then one of them had two guardsmen units, a crossbowman with a guard captain, and three NCUs. The other list had uh, two NCUs. Do you remember which one you faced against by any chance? In the finals, I think it was the three NCU list. It was the High Sparrow list. Okay, so then it was the Knights of Cashley Rock times two, two guardsmen units with nothing in them, crossbowman with a guard captain, the High Sparrow, Picel, and Cerse. Yep. Ooh, that's a lot of uh, NCU control. Yeah. That's and, an interesting and, call to put the uh, guard captain in with the crosswoman. I guess he's trying to prevent like the just the damage from. I have seen that. I have seen that more and more, um, especially on the crosswoman being morale eight. Yeah. That said, I ended up pulling that game out because he didn't have the guard captain and the guardsman. That's where I actually ended up getting my points at the very end of that game. And had he oh. had the guardsman, then he would have been able to negate the snake eyes not saying gotcha. that it's a bad choice oh just, man that's, <laughs> that's gotta hurt oh man yeah going into uh that that was a um feast for crows matchup so feast for crows lannisters and cersei against free folk one of the worst morale factions in the game right that could have been brutal yeah i was i had to play very defensively and we literally spent five rounds staring at each other and then he started to commit um, so we finally started to engage on round five, my giant against his, uh, Knights of Castle Rock. 
everything else was still kind of squaring off. My giant was winning that fight, so then he had to kind of pull off and commit more on the other side. And then I got greedy at the end and tried to bring my raiders up that had just been sitting in the very, very back, accumulating points as he was making them fail panic tech. And I started to bring them in to support the, the giant, which was a terrible decision. And the crossman just wrecked them in two rounds of, well, I guess one round of shooting, and then he finished him off promptly after. And then suddenly we were going from a zero to zero game where he was winning. And then I failed the charge of the giant after that by a couple inches against some of his knights. And then he countercharged, wiped out another giant. And then I was really lost. And that's where I just got dirt, dirt lucky at the very, very end. And he snake eyes that, that test on his guards. And they had been sitting around accumulating points for a good portion of the game. So the one that one kill swung it. In the semifinals or the second round, it looks like you faced off against a free folk player. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. So, so he apparently he had that played. Was Shane, uh, then. Yeah. 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 And he had played a different faction. I'm actually not sure if he had played Starks or Lannisters in his qualifier. Um, but I know he went four and zero and won his qualifier event. Um, hmm. and he was running free folk also in not in the qualifier. Yes, so but he did he did for the uh, finals yeah so two free folk out of the, in the six at the end that's it's crazy i mean like if you because if you look online the conversations have almost exclusively been like how do you win with free folk and then here you are at like the big tournament and there's two lists in the finals and the one that wins the whole thing is a free folk list that's preposterous <laughs> yeah and that, that mentality is kind of like, I, I did want to bring my free folk with to the event instead of the Boltons and just in the first place, but I, I don't like playing unpainted models and I had all my Boltons painted up nice and I just wanted to run them, but I gave them their shot and they failed me. I lost a game. So <laughs> that's where I decided to pick up all the demo minis and <laughs> build some free folk lists. So out of it. Are you now joining the ranks of the Free Folk players? Are you going to be, uh, is this your new main faction? What are you thinking? Uh, well, I've always been pretty partial. Um, it's just they came out later, so I've had just less time with them. But I I do enjoy them the most, for sure. I'm excited for them to get, like, the, the Cave Dwellers were a nice addition. Now we can kind of try and play different ways. I mean, currently the, uh, the Free Folk can't play the game the way the other four factions can. Um, you really got to play dirty, I guess, in a sense, by running away almost as much as you're actually attacking because <laughs> yeah, you just that's how i feel fight. when i'm playing too i'm always like retreating and trying to sidestep things and yep yeah, I mean, yeah. whatever you gotta do right like chip, the chip, chip away <laughs> the raid leader um with that raid leader ability it's about a 50 50 shot where i'm using it to actually double team something or if i'm using it for the unit that's holding something or whatever to run away and then raid leader into a second unit that is then just going to run straight in front of them and screen and just mm -hmm. keep playing like a cup game or however you want to think about it i guess but <laughs> having stuff in the way and then your final uh the finals then you were playing against gary luther who was running night's watch um and he had two lists both featuring vets with john snow and ghost and then one had two trackers and two sworn brothers one with the dreadfort captain and two NCU's Eamon and uh, Bowen. But was that the list that you faced against? Yeah, he ran the double tracker list. Okay, um, and that was that was a rough matchup, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was pretty convinced I was going to lose that one right out of the gate. I I didn't really see much of a way to win, but again, some lucky morale rose early that uh, let me take and hold some of the because that was the loot one. So, um, he started the game by running up to the center and snagging the center objective with uh, Jon Snow and his vet. And I just 
Oh, uh, the Dance with Dragon scenario where you can move with it. Yep. Yep. Okay. And if, and if you panic, you drop it, and those yeah, guys. Yeah, that's that's scary to have holding that, right? Where they get yeah. all those bonuses. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was no way I was going to shift it off of those guys because I had no way to kill them. I couldn't kill them fast enough with that list, and I just had to rely on a on a bad morale roll early, and then just start backing up the objective token as fast as possible and throwing stuff in the way and just try to keep him away from the objective tokens and then i had to dig for the um he had ghost off on the other side that snagged another objective token and it was behind a palisade which i had no way to get around so i had to just dig for the the only free folk card that can actually snipe the dogs um i can't remember the name of it it's one of mance's cards it deals wildling diplomacy yeah, that's the one. Fortunately, I was able to use that to pick off Ghost um, to deny him a point. And he failed the early morale check, so he, I got to take the center objective and start running away with it. And then I had control of the left one for most of the game. So, poor Ghost. I feel like that's he, one. He has thing. a hard time with that with that army. <laughs> we can all agree, three folk are amazing at killing dire wolves. That's oh yeah, they have that game down. Yeah, I'm Drop definitely not down. not afraid of the uh, mass dire wolf list that you tend to see with Starks. That is not a I problem, know. With you guys. No comment, Josh. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I I've witnessed it firsthand when we ran like our first time playing Night's Watch versus Free Folk, and I ran Ghost in there. It was like instantly just detonated, and I was like, oh shit. That's a... <laughs> That's I, really I, good against wolves. I honestly feel a little bit bad knowing that, like, how much you love running wolf lists, and then being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do my main faction as free folk." And I got tactics <laughs> cards, I got trappers, and I just yeah, yeah. yeah I'll sorry. still take that over Lannister supremacy any day of the week. That's oh, funny. that's true. That's <laughs> Anything that you saw at the tournament that was uh, surprising, like lists that you thought were like, "Well, that was different," or, or "That's not kind of what people play in my local meta." Really, I don't think so. No, like double I mean, scorpion. Builder crew, or um, I mean, the only nice all Lannister crossbowmen or something. I did run into a double. So the <laughs> one, the one game that I I uh, ended on round three, um, that first game of Thrones game was a double crossbow list. Oh, okay, like with Tyrion, it was Tyrion. Yeah, it was double yeah. crossbow, double guards, uh, halberds, and Tyrion, and uh, the hmm. list. I mean, with the guards being slow and the crossbows not wanting to bum rush an objective token, that was it. Made it a pretty easy matchup to quickly sprint up and snag all five objectives and then just deny for the rest of the game. And fortunately, one of our five objective cards was the NCU shutoff thing, so I instantly got rid of Varus. And then oh. he couldn't, couldn't stop me from healing my giants. And between Craster and the Tormund card that heals D3 plus one and the space that heals three, three wounds, you just can't kill the giants fast enough unless you have some really hard hammers in your list that's one thing i found too is like that just that that uh three wounds restoration on a giant is so much worse or so much better rather than like a typical infantry list because three wounds on a giant is really like six or even more wounds uh mm -hmm. because they have that you know disregard every uh you know kind of odd number of wounds yeah and as a free folk player you really got to resist the temptation sometimes to when you have that option of the free attack when you're sitting at four wounds on your giant and while you'd really hurt the guy you have a pretty good chance of dying afterwards and losing a giant even if you're trading it for a unit is usually not a great trade unless it's a pretty special circumstance yeah but. i've been there where i'm doing like the the what if math well what if i hit him and i roll a three and add my wounds onto it and then they fail their panic test yep then, yep. I, then i'll kill him and it's like nope no that doesn't everything was always, i'm always expecting that i'm gonna roll that one and then lose the giant <laughs> and be like okay well that wasn't worth it yeah it's got to be just like what stands out of my mind but i definitely have rolled more ones on my like initial giant attack than i would 
imagine possible. I like, just even... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like what? Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely, I've learned to use them far more defensively than I when I first focused on them. I love the idea of them as an offensive weapon, and I would actually put down the spikes. I don't remember what the actual name of the terrain is, but the D three plus one terrain, yeah. and deliberately place it with the intent of eventually charging through it. And then taking the wounds and having a plus four or whatever, D3 plus five shot to some unit that you're hopefully going to just insta-kill in that moment and then immediately heal back up afterwards. <laughs> but now you're like, that could give you, uh, you know, it's not insignificant. That could give you a victory point. Like, right. hell no. Prote yeah. And, that guy. and with, with uh, Free Folk, you have to deny victory points as much as you possibly can now were there no spear wives available or did you make a conscious decision to say you know i'm not going to run these guys so there weren't any available because it was just okay. starters um but that said i would not have run them anyways i actually i haven't put them on the board yet i actually very consciously just made a list uh today with the intent of trying them out uh, my local group plays on wednesdays i'm gonna try them out tomorrow but uh they they don't really thrill me um what i'm kind of hoping slash well yeah, I guess what I'm hoping for, like, really badly, is that Egret or some new attachment or something is going to show up and grant quick fire. I think the the Cranogman rule. So oh, then geez. these spear maidens, then you can like swift advance your spear maidens, have them throw their spears, and then charge after that with the sundering charge, and then have a some other whatever combination on top of that, and then you're suddenly going from a fairly yes. mediocre unit that is now kind of just outclassed by the cave dwellers to a unit that you could definitely see on a regular basis because getting that two attacks per activation can be pretty disgusting yes so. i did not know i wanted that but that's that is what i want to now <laughs> <laughs> that so. would be amazing fabio curry or uh michael Sanal, if you're listening please <laughs> oh, it's like you're like they're a year ahead of us in like development but yeah yeah and i, I know all those those upcoming heroes are all already set so who knows they might already exist and they could just be laughing in the back of their mind but that's the way i envision them most often <laughs> right. Right. well egret is definitely one of the uh free folk heroes that's coming up in the next box right yes so that's she's like been pseudo confirmed uh, yeah. i think so let me just her... double check that that was on our spoiler episode, Chase. You're right. <laughs> and remember, there was the the, the round faced lady, whatever her name was, the, the one that we we're like, "What? Who is that?" All right, this is not real problems. But have you ever been like, "I need to check something if it's correct about a song of ice and fire," and you Google it, and like your own thing comes up, and you're like, "No, I I'm not. I need I need someone else to confirm. Like, where can I go for the information?" <laughs> More podcasts, guys. We need more podcasts and YouTube channels. Get on. Yeah, I mean, it's the game's been growing, right? It's it's been a it's, oh, it's it's huge. really nice to have this game be as, as successful as it has been. And I I mean, along with the rest of the community, hope that they get their distribution thing figured out and that the game thrives. And uh, it I seems just... like the European distribution is the one thing that they seem to have the hardest time with. But I think there are aren't they consolidating distribution under a new uh, ownership? That sounds like Asmodee's taking taking the distribution. I, I mean, think it was that'll clean up some of the trouble. I mean. Once they, yeah, Asmodee is like basically running right. all the board game, everything right. now. It's, it's the devil, you know, right? You know, you can, <laughs> at least you know you're getting with it. Yeah. I mean, if people want to play the game and they just can't get their hands on it, then if that gets solved, then that's, that's awesome. It was, uh, when we talked about it, Chase, uh, it's in the Google doc, but it's, uh, it was Harmer, the dog's head, Weeper, Rattleshirt, and Egret. Oh, uh, yeah. There we Egret. go. Yeah. So if any of those are going to have a, have a quick fire as an attachment, I think it would be Egret. 
So I'm hoping. It does feel like they could use a little help because they, I think on paper, they've got like a pretty decent attack profile, but they just have a hard time fitting in compared to with like the other options that you have with free folk. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, if they didn't just get the cave dwellers, then they might have seen more use. Um, but the cave dwellers just having, if they want the exact same attack profile, at least when they're at max wounds. And on top of that, the flexibility and, or just straight up being better if you're fighting something hurt. Um, did they lose the option of the range attacks, but the short range with out the ability to maneuver and throw it, it's kind of meh. Yeah. I guess what I felt the most, cause I, I've, I've stubbornly committed to being like, I really want to learn how to use them and I'm going to put them in most lists I run. And, uh, I've had times where they've done a lot of work on the battlefield, but more often than not, I've been screwed by them getting killed and giving up a point. And, that- uh, it's only a point, but in an army where you don't have a lot of other things giving up points, like that can that can be a, a game turning moment. And that's kind of where I was going at. Like right now, I feel like you have to play free folk as a points denial faction. And um, as soon as you start rocking, I mean, even now, if you wanted to start playing a bunch of spearwise and giants and uh, um, the cave dwellers, then you're suddenly playing everybody else's game. Like you got to start right. killing as much as you're being killed and it's it gets a lot trickier it feels hard to do <laughs> uh, <laughs> well I yeah mean, i mean it, but you got to play to their strengths right if that's what right. if that's what they're good at then uh that's right yeah it's it's interesting seeing like uh how i've shifted my expectations when like new units get announced though and i'm like like the cave dwellers are ridiculously good in my opinion like they've got so many options like i'm so excited to get them uh and they're five points which is like awesome then you see like the uh, the Lannister like Kingsguard comes out or like the Warrior Sons or something, and you're like, this is an eight point unit that does eight points worth of work, uh, and it's just like wow, like my you know raiders or my spearwives or my maybe even my cave dwellers like are not gonna fare well trying to to kill that unit. They're gonna I think really the, have to I think the Warrior Sons I think the Warrior Sons are probably gonna do more like six points worth of work. Hey oh oh gosh I'm gonna have to have you you missed it we had uh Fabio Curry on the last episode he was he was talking him up we're gonna have, to have you guys have a showdown <laughs> anytime uh do you have a favorite unit in the game like faction aside I'd say just... I'd say conceptually I like the bastard girls probably as my favorite unit yeah um as far as gameplay i i feel like i'm handicapping myself by putting them on the board <laughs> at least well, when i'm playing my keep playing board. free folk you'll get used to it and then you'll want to run them again <laughs> i mean they do have they do have their spot for sure and i do absolutely love them in clash of kings because being able to deploy them behind somebody and then immediately trigger the attack action to get that shot plus charge into somebody's rear that's just oh, disgusting stuff of nightmares um, that I've done that. So in a two list format that you were in the tournament, um, how did you, how did the tournament go when it came to selecting what list you're going to use for what scenario? Did you guys hear the scenario first and then you picked your list and then told your opponent? You knew your opponent's faction and you knew the scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was, you had uh, however they wanted to. At the actual tournament, they had these little tokens for one and two and you had a list one and a list two and you would, put your token did you get down. to read your opponent's list no like no, beforehand didn't. and see what two he had you did i mean there were plenty of players that were just kind of walking around with their tray of dudes so you could guess i mean most everybody yeah. had <laughs> gotcha a, a limited supply of minis um 
some players that cared more would deliberately keep their minis under the table or something before the game started. But I, my lists were pretty etch-up agnostic. It was more to do with the scenario I was playing than what I was playing against. And I How had did to the go... scenario get determined? Is that Would that be something that you found out ahead of time? Or like did you have to roll off for it? Or was it going to be like round by round? You knew it was going to be this progression of scenarios? Uh, they told us at the start of each round. So we did not know any of the scenarios going in. But it was predetermined for everybody for each round. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just hope you don't get certain matchups or something with like a you know Lannister panic list or something on a Feast for Crows or Yeah, yeah but that I mean, did happen and he still yeah, won. Yeah. My, my two That's Feast for Crows games. I was up against Boltons for one of my Feast for Crows games and I was up against Lannisters for my other Feast for Crows games. Wait, wait, wait. Was that in the just in the finals or that was in Saturday and Sunday? That was between Saturday and Sunday. Okay. I was going to say, like, in your three finals games, they give you two Feast for Crows. <laughs> Carl. Yeah, I mean, that's on paper, that sounds like a horrible matchup for, for, for the free folk. Those were both very rough games, and uh, I probably should have lost both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Just had some good luck at the right time and pulled through. And now is this like going to be your like your calling card when you go to tournaments and you're going to be like, I'm here, I brought my painted army, but like I'm just going to open up some starter boxes and I'll just play whatever the new thing is and I'll just try and win that way? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it was mostly, it was, I, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, it was just kind of got a little tired of the internet complaining about free folk, especially considering my own personal opinion from my few games I had of them. I thought they seemed pretty darn strong. And a good buddy of mine that, has been trying to play them has just really been struggling and I'm, I'm like trying to convince him like actually they do have some play and like i gotta try and prove it i want to just win a few games and just kind of kept winning well point point proven sir <laughs> point proven. <laughs> now do you have any other uh events in the future that you might be going to maybe gen con or or uh simon expo um not currently uh have married have kids tend to just do the one one travel event per year i might be traveling for kings of war again i got some other good buddies that still play that that haven't quite jumped on the ice and fire bandwagon but uh, it'll still be fairly local will you defend your title in 2020 i haven't decided that yet <laughs> <laughs> um probably by then, by then the others faction will be out and you can you can play uh you know uh <laughs> Too All soon. Spider. Yeah. <laughs> I think the internet's going to be upset still about that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> if they put a bit more work into how those actually looked, then it would have been a little more believable. Oh. <laughs> hey, that was, that was us. <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> uh, mostly, mostly that was Yannick Burr. For those of yeah, you watching, uh, if you didn't figure out the, the others was an April Fool's Day joke, we're going to get Yannick on here, but, you know, we thought we'd stir up, stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> it fooled it fooled like i think five people you know there was some there were some people who were like hey wait a second there and, was a range on like where it was posted like i posted it on the our facebook page first and right off the bat someone was like nice try and we posted yeah, yeah. it somewhere else and person was like i'm quitting the game <laughs> like that's it <laughs> like i'm over and i was like wait no wait uh, admittedly so when I, <laughs> I i had not heard about this happening until i was so, so we always road trip out I'm from Minnesota and we road trip out to Chicago for uh, Adepticon and, or Schomburg rather. Um, so I was driving when I heard about it and I, all I saw was the title at the top and I just like a brief glance of the uh, actual cards. And so I was stoked initially. I was like, 
no way i heard it was oh. like, it's a cool reveal when i didn't get the chance to actually look at it closely and then later i looked at it yeah. more closely i was like ah, oh, yeah that definitely is not legit <laughs> it was funny because chase sent it to me early and without any context and i just saw the first unit and it was like the i forget what they called them but the, the white the z- zombie yeah. guys yeah and i was yeah. like I looked at the attack profile and I was like, they rolled 12 attack dice. I was like, what is this, a fan made? Like, what, what is and then it started dawning on me. And I was like, oh, it's an April Fool's joke. Well, it was supposed to be like two things. So like Yannick and I were like splitting up some of the art to do the cards. And then Yannick was like, oh yeah, by the way, I also did like a full tactics deck. And I was like, okay, like what? And then and he was like, I need, and then we just started going crazy. And then next thing I knew, yeah, we had a whole faction. Nice, nice. But we'll, that, we'll that was get... a quality. Quality April Fool's joke. I have. I wasn't. Uh, now, what do you think next year? What are we gonna do now? Though we gotta think of some other. Uh, the others part two. It'll be. I mean, I'd, I'd. It'd be awesome to see the others as an actual faction eventually, but uh, I am not super convinced that's gonna happen. It, that might be more of a George R. R. Martin issue than a on the table game uh, than a Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game thing. Gotta get yeah. those books. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, like in the books, did they really? I mean, they didn't really. They talked about them, but they haven't really like shown a whole lot of like what they do. No, we're more likely to get like what was it like snarks and bumpkins or something. Uh, it works. <laughs> I think we'll probably see more of the great houses first. I think they probably dive into like Baratheons, Greyjoys, obviously Targaryen. I think those are like yeah. Targaryen. I think is probably the one that's most likely to have some sort of more besides the Free Folk. Obviously, it's going to have more of the um, the draw. Uh, what's that? Dragons and monsters and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now. Do you think the Free Folk, when are they going to come out with like the Wooly Mammoth giant riding models? Oh, but I'm pretty excited for that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. Uh, uh, yeah. And that, what will Second. be really inter- interesting about that one is that they're for sure going to have to introduce, well, I guess not for sure, but I would expect them to have to introduce a new base type for that. Unless uh, it's yeah. like super skinny on like the Scorpion Builder crew thing and it's just like a really narrow Wooly Mammoth. I suppose that's true. Yeah, it could be on there. Although yeah, I would totally true. take like a standard infantry unit tray. They just had one model. <laughs> on it. Like, this, here we go. That would be so sick. Let's do it. Would love to see something make the Giants um, more offensively viable, and it'd be cool to have some sort of like Giant King type thing show up and somehow boost what they can do. Yeah, I mean, he could be like an attachment, you know, or like not an attachment, but like I guess he'd be like a, a solo model, like a you know, like uh, the mountain that rides. Yeah. yeah. I just I want my uh, if I can't make my spear wives work, I need the the giant spear wife, the one who just like hung out the other ones and is like I feel a little bit different, but uh, it's got a you know giant spear javelin or something. <laughs> Maybe I'm going too far with that. All right, super <laughs> quiet. Uh, we all love that idea so much, just nobody. Yeah, said that it. was <laughs> next year's April Fool's Day, the giant faction. <laughs> but. Well, all right. Well, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming on talking about Adapticon. And, uh, you know, we look forward to to hearing of your your adventures and conquests in hopefully some local tournaments if you're not traveling out to big scene stuff. And if not, you'll definitely be on our radar for for 2020 for Adapticon. I guess shout out to the players. Um, so I, I, I mentioned this already on the Facebook group, but uh, the community around this game has just been fantastic. And all the guys that I played against were a lot of fun. and I know coming from some of the other unmentioned game systems that kind of <laughs> get overly competitive and some nasty players, uh, it's very refreshing to play a game that has a much more laid back group at the time, at least so far anyways, who knows as the meta grows, it might get more competitive, but it's, uh, 
over the weekend. So they have like well. the million dollar cash prize. That's when the the jerks come out of the woodwork, right? Right. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now that you've you've got your crown, you gotta you gotta watch out. Everyone's gonna be wondering what what you're doing next. Man, it's not a crown. It's a throne. It's a throne. You're right. <laughs> right on. Thanks again for the invite, guys. You know, guys, thank you so much. And thanks again to Mark coming on, on the podcast. We want to just do a quick, few quick shout outs. We really appreciate everyone for their uh, positive response to the, the April Fool's joke we did. We're going to definitely get Yannick Burr on in the future. The person who did most of the, the legwork there, he did like 90% he did like 90 of the work. Um, and he came with some rules, and he has kind of a cool idea for an alternate faction. So if you like the April Fool's Day prank, hopefully you weren't too thrown off by it and you realized <laughs> it was April Fool's. I know some of you guys were mad. Sorry, we're just trying to have a little bit of fun. Yeah, it's an April Fool's. Uh, come on, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun little goof. Uh, it's sort of in the spirit, right? We we did our holiday vi- video when the game was picking up, and then we got our April Fool's Day joke. So stay tuned for other holidays and event style things from us. But then the other thing is, uh, thank you so much to our patrons that have reached out to us and offered support. You guys, uh, we just sent out our first set of tactics boards and range rulers to people who are at those tiers. If you are a Patreon, a Patreon from. Um, overseas from international, not in the United States. Um, we are not shipping international this time. We're looking to find some other options that we can get you something. And if, I think, if uh, you... I think uh, we're going to get a glossy photo of Chase autographed. Well, there was some talk about whether or not people wanted to have printed out cards of the, 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 the others faction now. Oh, that's good. We would idea. have to, we'd have to do some, some editing and fix some typos down there, but who knows? I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, I mean, <laughs> His English is a lot better than, you know, any other. It was better than my English, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give him a break. I think he did a great job on that stuff. It was awesome. Uh, But thank you so much to our our patrons uh, for everybody reaching out. And uh, particularly Mike Meeple, Alex Hewitt, uh, Dreadnought, Frederick Janey, Chade Bauer Showers, uh, Danny from the Discord, Carl, and then Mark Ridge. You guys are awesome. And uh, we're actually using some of those funds to get our our tournament tracking software uh, polished up and um stay tuned for more information that to come and uh, we're looking at expanding some of our video options for the youtube channel as well so if you get a chance check out our patreon and until we talk to you next time we hope you get your miniatures on the table